This episode is brought to you by House of Sherry. For the women that lead a busy life on horseback or in heels, House of Sherry offers a luxurious line of shirts that enriches your wardrobe at affordable prices. Ladies, all eyes are on you. I'm Caitlin Hewitt and this is From the Saddle. Striding down the track, Lacey Morrison's name is known best to the race callers of our nation. She's recently ran her 400th race and has been flying the female jockey flag for quite some time. Leaving school at a young age to pursue a career as a jockey, Lacey reflects back on her years and takes host Kay Becker behind the barriers and on the track. From the saddle. From the saddle. Afternoon, Lacey. That's a pretty amazing uh, feat to have achieved in your lifetime. Uh, yes, thank you. Um, I was, um, yeah, like I, I was um, grateful to acknowledge that, yeah, I rode my 400th winner, but um, yeah, it's just another day, so to speak. Yeah. Right, let's um, go back to the beginning. Um, where did life start for Lacey Morrison and work through the the way forward onto how you became a female jockey and, and life thereafter? Yeah, so I actually grew up in Springshaw in central Queensland. My parents had a small cattle property there and, you know, I had, had a great childhood, um, you know, pony club, show jumping, camp drafts and was always riding. Um, and it wasn't until I was about maybe 10 that I um, I just, yeah, I just wanted to be a jockey. I, I don't know why because, you know, it wasn't as if I was in a, a, a racing family, like we didn't have racehorses as well. Um, like my grandfather was a horse trainer, a uh, uh, racehorse trainer. Um, my dad rode a few picnic races and um, my mum actually rode in some of the, the powder puff races. Um, but, but yeah, like um, I just, yeah, always wanted to be a jockey and um, fin- uh, went to year nine in Springshore and then we moved to Toowoomba and um yeah, I started my apprenticeship in Toowoomba and went went on from there. So at what age did you start your apprenticeship? You know, did you think, um, this is what I'm going to do, so I'm going to leave school now and go off and do that? Or did your mother say, actually, no, you're going to finish school and then you can go off and do that? Oh, my, mum and dad really wanted me to finish school, but oh, I just wanted to get started. And, and, and you know, that that is um, obviously something that I, I really wish that I had finished school. Mm. Something I, I do regret in life is not finishing school, but no, I, um, you know, I had tunnel vision and, yeah, left school to do my apprenticeship and um, now I'm nearly 38 years old and I, I'm back at school trying to finish school so I can <laughs> get another career. <laughs> so, um, yeah, how the big wheel turns. Yeah, so who did you start your apprenticeship with in Toowoomba? You know, as, as a jockey, you probably couldn't have picked a colder place to start your apprenticeship with in racing in Queensland. No, that's exactly right. But it was the at that stage, it was the definitely the place to be for apprentices. Um, you had the ability to go to the country and then work your way into the city. So it was a really renowned place for apprentices. Um, so I signed up to my dad um, just to get started, and then I transferred to Russell Kerwin and completed my apprenticeship with Russell Kerwin in Toowoomba. So. I had a I had a great mentor in uh, Mr. Mr. Jim Childs. He 
was, well, he's still a steward on the panel today at Toowoomba and he used to look after the apprentice school and, um, yeah, I had a terrific mentor in him and um, couldn't have asked for a better start um, into the industry. You know, if you're a young person now who decides they want to be a jockey, what is the term of an, you know, an apprentice jockey before you, you know, you break out and are a qualified jockey? How long does that all take? So it's a cert for apprenticeship, so it's four years. And this was, like, I started my apprenticeship in the year 2000 and I finished in 04. And at that stage, you could just sign up as an apprentice. It's not as easy these days. You have to do, a, obviously, a Cert 3 track rider certificate before you can obviously go on and be signed up as, a, as an apprentice these days. So it's probably a bit longer than four years now. Um, but, yeah, I, I was very fortunate that I could just sign up and, um, yeah, start. So how long did you spend in Toowoomba? Uh, I spent uh, about 15 years in Toowoomba and I, I loved it. Like I loved the cold. Although the first year I was apprentice, I remember it sleeted and <laughs> there was a lightning strike <laughs> while it was sleeting and this horse bolted on me. And every every winter after that, I always think, oh, well, it wasn't as cold as last year when it sleeted. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. You said growing up you, you rode horses and, and that sort of stuff. What made you change your mind as a 10-year-old in Springshaw that you wanted to be a jockey? I, I don't know. Like um, I remember my dad had like a, an old track work pad and, and some photos and stuff and I remember just looking at that thinking, oh, wow, that's that's what I want to do. And, and um, yeah, from a young age I can remember saying how I wanted to ride winners in Sydney and that was just the ultimate you know, the pinnacle for me. So, <laughs> yeah, so I'm not actually sure what, um, you know, there was no, you know, nothing definite that happened. It was just, yeah, just the thought and it, it grew from there and um, here I am today. So 400 horses later, 400 wins later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, so from Toowoomba to where then? Um, so when I finished my apprenticeship, I had a bit of a stint down the Gold Coast when EI was on, I, I um, actually got caught in Townsville with horses that we were taking up for the carnival. So um, I've been here, there and everywhere, but um, yeah, most of my time was in Toowoomba. So, but yeah, I've, I've just returned to race riding, well, it's 12 months on the 6th of March after eight years off. And I currently live in Atherton and far north Queensland. So yeah, I've been um, here, there and everywhere, but yeah, I actually did a stint in Sydney when I was an apprentice, but mo- most of my time was spent in Toowoomba. In Toowoomba, did you ever think in the big stint in Toowoomba, I'm going to go south and I am going to crack it in Sydney? You know, it's not renowned for being the most female-friendly environment to be in. Um, did you think, I'm going to go to Sydney and have a go, or did you think, um, I'm better to be the big fish in a smaller pond, so to speak, and stay here in, in country Queensland and, and make my way? Or did the opportunity just not arise? I guess it's not that easy to get up tomorrow morning and go, I'm going to Sydney to be a jockey. Yeah, no, I had a, I had a three-month loan um, stint in Sydney as, as an apprentice. Um, I, I rode some winners down there, which, which, you know, was great for me, but um yeah, it, it, and it wasn't. It's not as if it's a, a male, female industry. Like obviously, I think people 
jockeys are on par these days. Um, it's just ability down there. So, um, yeah, you know, I had a go and um, oh, I'd, probably, I'd probably come home with my tail between my legs a little bit, but, um, you know, <laughs> it was not something that I wanted to stick out. Like, oh, I was happy to, happy to come home and I, I was grateful to have the, the experience of riding down there, riding better horses and better jockeys and being able to gain experience from that, I was very grateful to get that opportunity. But yeah, no, I never had the ambition to stay there and stick it out, so to speak. But um, yeah, I was just happy to come home and gain the experience and move on. Yep, yep. It certainly um, is, I would have said, imagine a whole different league in, in Sydney. I guess everyone in the big world has pictures of Michelle, you know, Michelle Payne in their mind and how, how the life of being a female jockey is and the hard work that it is. But yeah, it, you can have just as much fun and, and be just as successful outside Sydney probably. Oh yeah, that's exactly right. But it, it's hard. It's hard anywhere you go. Like you have to put in hard work wherever it is you are. Like it doesn't matter where you are. Just because you're in the country doesn't mean you should try. You know, have that ambition to be the best mm. and things like that. Um, it, it just isn't going to happen for some people. You know, they can't all be ten best. <laughs> so <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> That's right, and everyone's best is just, it's exactly that, a personal opinion, isn't it? Exactly right. So just step us through, for someone who doesn't understand how it works, so you're, you're now a known as a qualified jockey, how do you how do you get your rides every weekend, uh, you know, are you indentured to a trainer, do you have a an agent, how does that part work? Uh, throughout my career, I've been very lucky. I have been lucky to be associated with a certain trainer. So um, when I was in Toowoomba, I rode a lot for John Dan. I started riding for him when I was an apprentice and kept riding for him after I'd come out of my apprenticeship. So, you know, you, you turn up to the track every day and you ride horses track work. Obviously, these animals are um, athletes. They need exercise. And you can either be paid for that work or you do that for free, but you're guaranteed the race rides as such on these horses for um, trainers. So it's a business, but obviously it's come ahead and leaps and bounds the, the last 10 years. Um, there's a races nearly every day of the week down south. Um, so a lot of the jock- jockeys are riding every day. So they probably might only get to the track two days a week to gallop good horses and things like that and do trials. Um, but up here in far north Queensland where we only race maybe twice a week like you've always got a Saturday meeting um, the country non-tab meeting and then during the week you'll have one provincial meeting so we, we only race one or two days a week up here but down south uh, around Brisbane area they race four or five days a week um, and then obviously if you live at the Gold Coast you can get over the border to um, Ballina, Lismore, Mwilumba you know uh, casino. So yeah, it's quite a bit of travel and racing, but um, yeah, it's it's a business. Yeah. So not unlike any any other horse industry. Yeah. So you know, what does your day look like, and what time does it start, and when does it finish? Yeah. So I get up about four thirty. Like in the summer, it's earlier, but at the moment, get up at four thirty at the track at five. Ride work until, you know, eight or nine, just depending on what day it is. And then, yeah, obviously go about your daily tasks. Like usually um, I'll exercise throughout the day, uh, whether it be 
going to the gym, walking, or sometimes I, I work other jobs during the day. And yeah, I also have a son as well. So um, throw in school pick up and drop off in that. And then, um, yeah, that's your day done. And uh, bedtime's at 7.30 for me because I, I get up early. So um, yeah, I go to bed early. And I think the morning time is the best time of the day. Um, I love getting up early and yeah, I love seeing the sunrise. Um, yeah, so it's not an issue for me, but, um, you know, I know there's people who have worked in the industry a long time still struggle to get up early every day, so. <laughs> That'd be me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, um, you know, ride work and then, um, yeah, you're off to the races um, of a Saturday or during the week. So, um, yeah, there's – but this weekend there's no races for me. Um, they, like, they're too far away for – for me to go to, so I'm not going. Um, and then next week they race at uh, Cairns one day and Townsville the next. Uh, Cairns is only about an hour and a half away, but Townsville, that's a four-hour trip down and then four hours back. So, um, yeah, yep. busy week next week, yeah. So the days you race, you just get up in the morning. You don't ride track work that day or you do ride track work in the morning and then race in the afternoon or? Oh, only, only if it's a local meeting, like um, I'll ride track work the morning that we race at Cairns or um, at a local non-TAD meeting, but not not at Townsville. No. So. 4.30 in the morning till, you know, 7.30 at night seems very early, but it's that's a that's a fair day to do. Um, so you, to keep fit and, I mean, everyone, it's a constant battle and to keep their weight off and I guess, you know, you're just like every other person, the older you get, the harder it seems to be. Do you struggle to to maintain a weight or are you lucky enough that you were just, you know, born small and light and, and life is easy? Oh, not really. I am quite small, but I am the lightest I've been for a long time since I was an apprentice as a result of intermittent fasting, which is brilliant because I actually love to eat. Like I love food. <laughs> um, I love cooking. Like um, it was actually my sister who got me onto intermittent fasting. Like I, I made the trip out to the Territory last year to tell my family that I was going back race riding and um, my sister Lucy Daly was telling me how she wanted to try intermittent fasting and I was like oh yeah okay whatever like I know how to lose weight I've been doing it all my life but all right I'll, I'll give it a go with you and it, it's actually brilliant oh, like I said I'm the lightest I've been for a long time whereas whereas I used to control my weight through exercise obviously I used to do a lot of running and um gym work, um, as well as bulk eating because I love to eat. So, um, <laughs> but but I, I find intermittent fasting a, a lot better, obviously done the right way, eating good foods, um, it, it's it's much better. So you said you went to um, tell your family you were going to go back race riding. What had you been doing? So I've done a, uh, I've done a bit of everything. I worked as a um, for Racing Queensland as a, an apprentice mentor. I've done a bit of that for a while. Um, I'd still ridden track work for years on and off. I'd worked in the aged care sector. I'd worked at IGA at a produce store. So yeah, I, I've done a bit of everything. And I started working at the hospital. Um, yeah, so I. Uh, was doing three jobs and, um, you know, not really getting ahead, so to speak. And, um, yeah, I just thought, oh, God, I'm, I'm just going to go back race riding, yeah. So, and, yeah, like I never thought I would, you know, continue riding after I had a child. But, um, you know, life changes and, um, yeah, I'm just trying to do the best I can. 
and obviously, you know, you, you had to go back and probably change your lifestyle a little bit in, you're probably so used to getting out of bed early and doing that sort of stuff, but, you know, clearly by your own admission, you like to live a, you know, a life that normal people live of eating whatever you liked and doing what you liked. Did it take much adjustment to get back into, well, actually, I've got to make 57 kilos on Saturday. I can't actually do that today. Oh, not really. Like I've started to um, start to lose weight um, around Christmas time. Um, so, and I was only 60 kilos, which is not big. Um, so yeah, and I just thought, oh, you know, I'll just take it slow. I'll just start riding at you know 57, and then drop my weight down. Because obviously, once you start race riding, you know, you, you get fitter and you lose weight easier as a result of, um, you know, it's very physically demanding. But yeah, I um, once once I started intermittent fasting, you know, doing high intensity training and race riding, I, um, I, I it didn't take me long to be able to get back down and ride the minimum weight, which is fifty four, and which I've been doing, yeah, for. Uh, 10 months, yeah. The one thing I always, you know, my husband dabbles in race horses, slow ones, but anyway, that's that's another story. Um, you are incredibly strong to be a jockey. I mean, race horses are big, strong, athletic horses. They're not, not a kid's pony. Is it a struggle to, you know, everyone says muscle weighs, weighs more than fat. And so you can look at someone and go, you're 54 kilos, but you're 54 kilos of muscle. Is it a struggle to to sort of get that balance right or by just being so super fit, the muscle counteracts the the fat, I guess, so to speak? Yeah, like, um, you know, yes, you are strong, but, um, you know, there's technique involved in that. It's not all, you just don't hold a horse, you know, from sheer brute strength. Mm. There is technique and and that goes along with obviously knowing horses as well. Um, But, yeah, it's... um, once you get race fit, so to speak, yeah, that you're more muscle than um, fat, that's for sure. If you had to say this is the jockey that I have modelled my career on, who would it be? Um, so that, that's a really hard question uh, for me to answer. Uh, so when, <laughs> when, I, when I was an apprentice, my, my mentor, he used to say, you know, uh, watch Sydney and Melbourne racing and, and pick out aspects of each rider's style that you like and then you know try and replicate that for yourself or see what works for you so I, I just have real I, I have admiration for jockeys like Damien Oliver um Hugh Bowman you know uh, Jim Byrne they have been at the top of their game for you know 20 plus years and to be able to consistently ride at, at that level is very um inspirational Obviously, Michelle Payne and Jamie Carr, what what they have done for females in racing is great as well. But, you know, I just have full admiration for people just turning up, giving it their best every day and and being on point for for so long is hard. So, you know, full credit to those people who do that, yeah. From the saddle. From the saddle. Whether you're the lady that radiates confidence wearing bold colours and prints or most comfortable in the classic timeless tones, House of Sherry is designed and ethically manufactured for you to live authentically. With rural women's needs inspiring every design, House of Sherry takes pride in being able to offer this luxurious line of shirts that complements your shape 
needs and adjust to your movement for the women that lead a busy life on horseback or in heels. Ladies, all eyes are on you. From the saddle. From the saddle. So you're on race day, you know, race one. There's yourself and six other jockeys. Do you think, oh, God, there's so-and-so. This bloke will win this race. Or is it you just go there in your mindset, I'm racing this horse and that's all I care about? Or is is there a, quite a mind game to to the day? Well, so, for example, I'll, I'll paint you a picture of my Saturday that just obviously passed. Yep. Um, so there was there was six races. Um, so I, I had done form for all of those races. I'd watched horses, multiple horses, how their runs have gone, obviously done the form for each race. So, you know, you, you take out the guesswork, a lot of it. Like, you know, it, as long as you've done the form and you're making educated decisions about where my horse is going to be, what the danger is, then, you know, you're going to turn up and do your best. But if you don't do all that extra stuff, like, you know, the form or looking or that, then, you know, you're just going to turn up and go around. Like, obviously, people turn up to do their best, but it's all the little 1% that make the difference. Mm, Yeah, yeah. When you actually go to the races and and get up close to the track, you know you can hear a lot of noise on the on between the jockeys uh, on the track. Is it banter? Is it um, bluff? Is it encouragement? What is actually being said amongst you all to one another? You know, it, there seems like there's a lot of yelling, I guess, but and there'd have to be yelling because it's bloody noisy. But um, yeah, is is that part of it, or is it? So obviously throughout the race, um, you know, things happen, horses take charge, you know, there might be some inexperienced riders. Uh, Yeah, you know, things do happen. So yeah, obviously, you know, you'll call to jockeys if you're in trouble or if they're trying to cross you and there's not enough room, like, you know, you'll call to them or, um, you know, obviously in a finish, if your horse is tiring, you know, you give them a bit of a rah and, um, yeah, yeah. So there's, so there's a lot of noise throughout the race um, from start to finish, like in the barriers, horses either going up and, you know, saying, no, 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 don't let them go. And, yeah, so it is quite noisy and I guess it is a shock for people to hear that noise, yeah, when they go to the races. But, yeah, it is quite noisy whether it be um, excitement, danger, um, yeah. So, so there is a lot, little. Uh, there is a lot of banter, so to speak. Yeah. I often watch it and look at it and think, you know, when you get called into the stewards' room because there's been a protest, do you go in with your back up straight away, or do you go in going, "This is just part of the process, so I just have to do the do." Or is it, have you got a bad case of, you know, mate, what's your story? I beat you fair and square and here we are and I've got a, I've got a sing for my supper um, type approach in there. I, I just am always fascinated how, I guess, civil people are to one another when the winning versus a place on the line. Well, it's, uh, that's a great question. And actually on Saturday, I was involved in a protest. So the trainer that I, I mostly do a lot of riding for, I chose not to ride her horse in the race. I chose to ride another horse that I, I have been winning on. So I ran second, her horse won, her horses carted me off the track. So obviously I protested on Saturday. So 
we were in the steward's room and, and, you know, I'm quite confident thinking, oh, you know, I've got this. We, we, the, the margin was a nose. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I thought I'd spoken like a QC lawyer and, <laughs> and, 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 uh, um, and you know, the, the other trainer and jockey had, you know, just <laughs> fumbled along and um, I, I just thought, oh, yeah, I've got this and, and lo and behold, the the, the, the footage isn't an actual head-on, so you couldn't actually see what I had experienced on the day. But, yeah, you go in there, obviously, with confidence and authority and you put your case forward and, um, you know, it either comes off or it doesn't. But, um, you know, the stewards usually get it right nine times out of ten. But, yeah, at non-tab meetings, the films are quite bad and, you know, usually you've only got one senior steward um, so yeah, it, it, it's um, it's hard, but yeah, you just go in and and be confident and state your case. And so when you walk out the door, it's over, it's done. Your beef with the jockey is over. When or you just you think, right, I'm going to get square somewhere. Oh no, it's not like that. You know, once it was dismissed, you know, I, I congratulated uh, both trainer and jockey, and I was like, you know, good on you guys, well done. And you know, you, you go out and you don't think about what just happened. Like you've, you, you've got the next race to think about. So, you know, it's not something that you dwell on or have resentment over. You just, you just get on with your day. Yep. Yeah. And you know, that takes a special sort of person too, because, you know, it would be pretty easy to continue that resentment and go, right, I'll get square somewhere in the next little while. But yeah, it's an interesting thing. I, I sort of watch it and think, I wonder if this continues on niggle backwards and forwards or whether once you've left the room, it's finished with. It, it's all done and dusted like, you know, that it's not something you can harbour. You know, this is this is a sport where the ambulance follows us around. So, you, you know, you can't, you can't think like that. You can't have the, those thoughts, you know, cloud your judgment. Um, yeah, because you know what we do is it's it's hard enough w- without having any um, yeah resentment. Like I said, the stewards and the authorities in racing have an amazing amount of power, and I often watch it, and it's almost like it's their five minutes of power and glory being able to wave that stick around and say, "You did this and you did that." I mean, you're a jockey. Clearly, you love horses, or most people wouldn't be a jockey if they didn't like horses. And, you know, the assertion that you've used, as they call it now, the persuader, too often, do you sort of look at them and go, you know, I was riding the horse, I know what I did. You sit up there in an air-conditioned office and watch. What gives you the authority to tell me how to ride this horse? Do you sort of, do you find that when you're the jockey, it's the same, or you just go, you're the ref and, and I'll just play by your rules? Look, I find uh, over the years, you know, a lot of the stewards, um, you know, they've got really good race sense. They can read a race and, you know, they can see what's happened. But sometimes when, yeah, sometimes you just think, well, you know, I was doing my best. That's all I could have done. When they still obviously issue you a charge, whether it be careless riding or any other charge. Yeah, sometimes you think, well, you know, you don't know you're not out there. That's the thing, like we can't do anything about it. Mm. At the end of the day, what they say goes. And, um, yeah, you gotta, you got to work with these people, you know, <laughs> yeah. all, all the time. So it, it's best to um, not get them offside, so to speak. But, yeah, you know, you'll, you'll have your say and then that, that's it. It's done and dusted. Um, mo- mo- moving forward from, 
one thing to another. Like, yeah, you might have a difference of, of an opinion, but people aren't always going to agree on things. No, that's right. That's right. So 400th winner the other day, that's pretty spectacular over what would be regarded as a, as a relatively short career in, in racing. Um, that would have been pretty exciting. And did you expect to win on that horse? Was it the favourite? Um, well, um, actually my partner, he, um, you know, he was, <laughs> he, he was the one who got it all out there to, um, the, the media. That was my 400th. And obviously, you know, I knew it was coming up, but, um, yeah, for a couple of weeks, I hadn't ridden a winner for a couple of weeks and he's like, you know, good luck today. Just need one more winner, you know, one winner will do. <laughs> so, um, you know, yeah, so it was, it was great to ride my 400th winner and yeah, you know, I, I think, I'd love to get to 500. That would make a nice round number for me. But but that horse on, on that day, um, obviously I go to the races and I think, oh, well, this is a good chance today. That's a good chance. Um, but, yeah, I, I never I, I never think, oh, I'm going to go to the races and ride three winners today. I just – my goal is to give every horse I ride the best possible chance. Mm. So um, I, I'm always hopeful. Um, but, yeah, once – the gates open and I got the run that I did. I, I was like, "Yeah, this is this is it. I'm home here." So, um, yeah, it, it, it was great, uh, great to great to get the 400th winner, and um, it was one I will, will remember. So, where was your favourite win? Where was the win you were most excited about? Where did you have that ride at? Oh, so <laughs> there's been there's been a, a few over the years, but um, probably. The first winner back, um, it was it was at Mariba. So every 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 time I go to Mariba races, I, I always ride a winner. So I, I'm I'm happy for that. But um, I've ridden um, you know, cups winners and uh, stakes winners. What about this scenario? Emerald One Hundred riding for Glenda Bell. How exciting would that be? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I've actually ridden a winner at Emerald. Um, Flying Feathers. Do you remember that horse? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I actually won on Emerald um, on that horse, so that that's nearly as significant as Emerald One Hundred and and Glenda Bell. So um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'm just I'm just happy to ride winners anywhere. So um, pr- probably um, there's a weekend of racing that we go to called Oak Park. Yep, um, uh, it's a fabulous weekend. Um, you know, you go there and it's just all about the racing and, and the vibe and, yeah, it's a great weekend of racing and, um, yeah, I'm always happy to get winners there. So something that's something to look forward to. But um, I'd love to ride another Townsville Cup winner and another Cairns Cup winner. That, that would be, you know, obviously something to look forward to. So how did you – did you end up in North Queensland by default or – yeah, so I, I ended up here by default, you know, uh, had moved here to start a family and, you know, settle down, get married and and that didn't end well, um, you know, left the domestic violent relationship, the alcohol abuse was um, an issue and, um, yeah, that, that's how I ended up here and, you know, you can't dwell on things like that. I'm just um, trying to do the best I can um, up here where I don't have a lot of family support, like my family um, all live away, um, and I'll be here until my son uh, grows up. So he, he's, um, I have him in a shared care with with his father. So um, yeah, that that's how I ended up here. But um, I'm just uh, making the best of my time here. So does he like horses and race horses, or are you can convincing him? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, no, he he likes horses. Um, I I take him riding when I can, but um, 
you know, I'm pushing for him to be a a helicopter pilot or, you know, a dentist or something like that, you know, I, um, I think I keep telling him, you'll, you'll be too smart to be a jockey. So, um, you know, st- stay in school. <laughs> That's where the future is. Yeah. So, ed- yeah, education is key. So. Yeah. What do you anticipate your life being, a, how much more riding is as a jockey do you think you've, you've got around? Is it, you know, I mean, if you get to fifty as a jockey, you're regarded as a pretty old jockey. Um, do you think you'll you'll have another ten years at it, or you've got a line in the oh, sand to go? No, I I actually I come back riding obviously so I could um, study nursing. That's where my next career will be. Yeah. Um, I, I would love to get into nursing, but I I am struggling with um, university level um, schooling. Considering I left school and. Um, yeah, so that that's why I went back race running, obviously, so I'd have the financial stability just to keep studying. So, I, I don't, I, you know, I don't want to ride for another 10 years, but, you know, if I've got another five, then so be it. But, um, you know, I, I'm not going to push it. Um, you know, I'm enjoying it and, you know, I've been back riding 12 months and I'm happy to say that I'm, you know, riding competitively and um, at a good level. So, um, yeah, so I'll just... Um, Try and um, do the best I can, and and yeah, no, won't push it until I'm fifty. That's for sure. <laughs> no, that is a bit a bit far out. I really like um, you know, helping young people, um, up and comers. I have you know, I'm, I'm very passionate about that. So um, yeah, I really like helping the younger people coming through. Um, but yeah, I just hope to I can you know set a good example and. Um, be a good mentor for for someone along the line. I'm, I'm sure you're all of those things, Lacey Morrison. I just have one question: black caviar or winks? Oh, see, oh, mm, winks for me. <laughs> good girl. That's what I was hoping you were going to say. That's what I say too. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. It is pretty hard to split them though. But uh, it no, it, it, it's winks for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, what's your take on? On Winx, do you think she was just a freak or did she have a lot of luck? Every time I watch it, I think, I wonder whether this horse is just a freak horse or whether she was just on her game at the right time. Well, you know, like breeding is such a big thing these days, breeding and, you know, the early start of of thoroughbreds, it's all all the 1%. Um, Mm. Yeah, so breeding, training and everything that went into that horse – and, and you know, not taking away the horse's tenacity and and will to win. Um, yeah, so there's, there's just good horses, and you know, she won't be the last. There'll, there'll be more good horses into the future, but um, I can't wait for the next one. But we'll always remember Winks, that's for sure. Yeah, I w- did a thoroughbred stud tour last year, and they're all convinced that there is another Winks in the breeding out there somewhere. So let's hope. Yep, that's it. And and you know what? It, it, I don't think that. It, it won't be too far away. No, no, there is certainly some some depth of breeding out there now. That's for sure. And, and you know, there's still so much money in breeding thoroughbreds. And, um, yeah, just looking at the prices of the sales now, um, the Magic Millions sales and the up-and-coming East English sales, um, yeah, there's still so much money. And, um, yeah, wow, um, it's just incredible. You know, some horses are getting millions of dollars and, and they don't – some of them, you know, they, they never win races. So no. that's, um, 
That's right. So just, just, to, just to think that, yeah. There's always one, though, that's... Um, that's right. We all thought black caviar was was unique, you know, was a freak, and we were never going to see anything like her again. And then, you know, only what two years later, Winks appears. Both mares too. Yeah, so. that's right. Um, it's been great to chat to you. I hope you have a, a win this weekend, and um, we will catch up with you soon. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks to our sponsor, House of Sherry. Mm-hmm.